So the Senate has actually had to convene a Judiciary Committee hearing to deal with the problems of baby formula. It seems kind of weird, but I guess that's just the way things are these days. I mean, you've got the president who stops his bicycle to chat with people on the side of a road, and he falls off his bicycle. The country is just not as strong as it seems sometimes. Some people can't even stand up after doing simple things. It's a kind of worried, kind of, maybe. Well, tell us more about that and other things in general. We are going to look at what exactly all of that means. Because there's more than meets the eye. What's going on, they say. And in, you know, this business of governance, if they can't even get simple things done, what are they going to be doing with difficult problems ahead? Can you imagine we can't create an immediate solution to deal with baby formula? Congressman Mike Lee of Utah talks about it more. Let's listen. Because if we can't deal with baby formula, how are we supposed to deal with Russia? How are we supposed to deal with a potential conflict and other things bothering the nation? Let's listen in as he speaks at the Senate Judiciary Committee. In, in uh, my opening statement of our first subcommittee hearing on the subcommittee last year, um, Senator Klobuchar and I explored the, the broader contours of competition policy. And it was in that context that I expressed my concern that in many cases, free markets and therefore competition are distorted and undermined whenever you see government putting its thumb on the scale and doing so in a way that uh, ends up picking winners and losers. Today, we're here to discuss an example of exactly that. The ongoing infant formula crisis uh, is a painful reminder of what can happen. A painful reminder of the fact that the most dangerous monopoly creator in, the, in any market uh, that it chooses to enter is the government itself. President Reagan had a, a famous quip that was um, uh, something that seems appropriate here, where he said that the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Now, when we start looking at this in the context of infant formula, it of course begs the question, who, who would object to well-intentioned efforts to oversee the production and sale of safe, healthy baby formula? Unfortunately, as we'll hear today, those well-intentioned efforts uh, have ended up taking on other objectives and ended up taking the form of protectionist tariffs that effectively have barred competition from uh, foreign markets. FDA regulations surpassing those of other Western developed nations that, that created barriers to entry on top of the protectionist trade policies uh, previously mentioned, and, and also federally mandated sole source contracts under the WIC program that created state-by-state -state formula monopolies. 
thus um, exacerbating even further the current uh, baby form formula shortage. Together, these policies formed a perfect storm of sorts to drive market concentration and prevent competition. The very conditions that today mean that the closure of even a single manufacturing plant in Michigan can leave millions of American families scrambling to find ways to feed their newborn children. Recent reporting indicates the severity of this problem, showing that the out-of-stock rate for baby formula rose from just 11% in November of last year to over 73% at the end of last month, May of, of 2022. In response, several major retailers are now limiting formula purchases. These challenges are on top of the financial pain felt across America in the Biden economy. Gas is over $5 a gallon, and parents are having to drive cities away just to try to find food for their babies in America. Now, keep in mind that there is no natural baby food shortage. There's nothing natural about this. Other peer nations, our neighbors, or our counterparts across oceans aren't suffering this. No, this is created by our government, and it's therefore produced a shortage isolated and limited to our shores. And what, what's been the Biden administration's response? Well, earlier this week, the president's press secretary helplessly flipped through a binder for a total of 20 agonizing seconds when asked what the White House was going to do to help American families who couldn't find baby formula. Her response? Well, she eventually conceded after that awful 20-second hiatus. Quote, I don't have anything new, close quote. Yep, that's the end of the quote. That's the whole thing. That was her answer. I guess that means President Biden will keep begging foreign countries for more baby formula, just the same way that he's had to beg foreign dictators for more oil. Now, sadly, because government made this mess, it'll take action by the government to fix these mistakes. And clearly, we can't depend on the Biden administration to lead the charge, given the response that we saw just in the last 48 hours. We can't count on them to do it. And that's why last month I introduced the Fixing Our Regulatory Mayhem Upsetting Little Americans, or Formula Act. One of the better titles I've ever come up with, if I may say so. The Formula Act addresses the infant formula supply chain disruption by temporarily waiving the protectionist trade barriers to importation that, that reduce the supply and increase the price of already available, safe, foreign-made formula. The bill would also waive some of the regulations that currently prevent the importation of safe baby formula from abroad. This would allow American families to access safe and plentiful formula that's manufactured in Europe and elsewhere during the current shortage. Finally, the bill would allow for WIC program beneficiaries, those receiving WIC vouchers, to use their vouchers to purchase formula from any producer rather than being limited to the brand or the product listed on their specific voucher, uh, uh, which in many circumstances may be unavailable, thus exacerbating the nature of the shortage for them. Now, the Formula Act won't permanently fix every mistake and every risk that helped get us into this mess, but it can and certainly would provide much needed release 
relief in the near term from the crisis as we now face it. In the meantime, Congress should get to work amending or repealing the anti-competitive trade policies and regulations that are stifling competition in any market, especially those uh, in which we, uh, uh, on which we rely heavily in order to have the ability to feed our children. The Formula Act hasn't passed yet, but it's going to. It's going to because it has to. And I have yet to encounter a, a single substantive objection to it, a single reason not to pass it. This is a crisis, and it is a crisis that could be, and I believe soon will be, fixed by the Formula Act, which we should pass. I'm grateful for our witnesses joining us today to start that process, and I look forward to our discussion. Thank you. Quick hop from the Senate to the House, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Mike Lee. That's it for me for now. I'm Michael New York. Have a great day. Speaker, I yield two minutes to the gentlelady from um, Georgia, Miss Green. Gentlelady is recognized for two minutes. Thank you. In 1990, our schools became gun-free school zones, and on September 6, 1990, when I was 16 years old, my high school went on lockdown because one of the students at my school brought three guns to school in a duffel bag on the school bus, brought the guns into our school, and proceeded to take control of our high school, and he was the only person in the school that had guns. That's why that happened. There was no one to protect us that had a gun that day. The only person with guns was the very mentally ill, upset teenager who had brought guns to school that day to kill other students. I know that fear. As a matter of fact, I think I'm the only member of Congress that that's actually happened to. And I'm also a mom. I've dropped off my kids at school for years wondering, would this happen at my children's school? Would they face a terrible fate like the poor children in Uvalde? This should never happen to our children. And I can't help but to point out to all of us here, while we're debating how to protect our kids in school and what we're debating about our Second Amendment gun rights, I want to point out that we're all so privileged to be in this building being protected by armed guards with guns who are protecting our lives. And I find it shocking to me that this body of Congress won't do the same thing for children all over America in schools, because we know one thing works. We know that a gun is a tool, and it's a weapon that can be used to defend yourself or defend others, and we're all lucky enough to have that privilege. But our school children aren't. If we really want to be serious about protecting our kids here in America, we'll repeal the Gun-Free School Zones Act, and we will put into action real legislation that protects children everywhere, all over America in school, with good guys with guns, the same way we're being protected. I yield back. Quick hop from the Senate. To the House, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Mike Lee. That's it for me for now. I'm Mike of New York. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.